Welcome back to Monsters and Mixers podcast. We are your hosts. I am Emma. And I am Amy. And this episode is sponsored by Anna Luisa Jewelry, which we are very thankful for. Very much so. Um, I just want to give a little preface before we get into this. I'm going through some allergy sinus issues, so if I sound gross... Or if we go into a spontaneous break, I had a three-minute-long coughing fit. So we will be back. Yeah, it's um, really nice out, which also brings with it, like Emma said, the allergy season. And it seems to be hitting our area really hard right now. And Mm -hmm. No COVID. I was going to say, for once, it's (laughs) It's not not COVID. COVID. We've made sure. We can rest assured. I was kind of on the mend, and then we went to Cardinals opening day on Thursday and sat out in the frigid cold and rain, and then... It came back tenfold, I'd yeah. say. So yeah. I'm getting over it, but just want to let you all know if I sound gross, that's why. Yeah. And we appreciate you joining us. Please, if you have a minute and you haven't yet, go give us a like or and or review on one of on your listening platform. We would really very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, like, if you do plan on giving us, like, a rating, you don't have to write a review with it. No. If you don't plan on doing it, you can just, like, Hit give us five some stars. stars. Yeah. If we are five-star worthy, which I think we are. I think so, too. Is there anything you want to talk about? We had a good week. Yeah, we had lots going on. Um, Went to see our favorite New Orleans band, The Revivalist, on Wednesday, and they were super awesome, as usual. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the record company. Yeah, and the record company opened. So that was really fun. We've had a lot. We've had a really good week, really long week. I'm very quickly realizing that I am not as young as I'd like to be. Because I'm exhausted and really needed a weekend to just chill at home. Yeah. So that shall be next weekend, I think. Yeah. Unless something fun pops up and then it'll be whenever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So other than that, like I said, we went to opening day and got to see St. Louis Cardinals in action. Lots of exciting things going on there this year. So Brought home a win. Feeling pretty pretty good about it. It's a good time to be a sports fan in and around St. Louis because the Blues are killing it right now also. It's always a good time to be a St. Louis sports fan. Sorry very to true. all other sports fans. Very, very true. All right, well, <laughs> this is not a sports co- podcast. This is a true crime and paranormal, and Emma's bringing you the true crime today, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. Yep. All right, so today for my true crime episode, we are going to be discussing the bizarre disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. Um, now, this is one of the first missing persons cases that I personally remember hearing about online. Um, I didn't hear about it when it happened because that was the year that I was born, but I distinctly remember watching videos and uh, people still talk about it to this day. It's quite prolific and it is a cold case to this day as well, so people still talk about it. And it has stuck with me for quite a while and I think has instilled the fear in me of cruise ships. Um, I've never been on a cruise. I don't think I will ever personally go on a cruise. It's amazing to me the amount of things that happen on cruises, and because it's bad for business, oftentimes they go unreported. So I have, because we are into this kind of thing, there's so many cases of people who've been harmed on cruises, just lost at sea, just, Mm -hmm. I mean, kidnapped, sex traffic, all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think I'm good on that also. Yeah, I agree. I will keep myself on land. Um, Although this took place years ago, many people still believe that Amy could be out there somewhere. And for that reason alone, I think it's super important to keep her story alive. And the FBI agrees. They still have a page up for her. There's still a reward for her and any information regarding her. Um, And I think it's also super important to get some new fresh ears on uh, on her story because you never know who's going to be listening or who, who could have seen or heard something that could lead to a cold case being solved. So, let's get started. Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May 12, 1974, in Petersburg, Virginia. She grew up in Chesterfield County, Virginia, with her younger brother, Brad, and her parents, Iva and Ron. She attended a local university, Longwood University, which was about an hour away from Chesterfield, which she loved because she'd still be super close to her family, and they were very tight-knit. Um, She graduated from Longwood in 1996 with a degree in physical education. Amy was a super athletic person. She and her brother Brad both lettered and made varsity on the teams of five different sports each, which is... That's crazy. Super impressive. And Amy actually was granted a basketball scholarship to Longwood right out of high school. Um, It's said that she was given scholarships to multiple schools, but she chose Longwood because it was still close to home. 
While at Longwood, she played basketball and she was also on the school's swim team. Her mother, Iva, describes, describes Amy as a focused person and a natural leader as a child. And Amy actually spent a few summers growing up working as a local lifeguard as she was a very strong swimmer. Amy and her brother Brad had a super close relationship growing up, and their bond was seemingly inseparable. Friends and family recall Amy having a huge, kind heart. She was confident and comfortable with herself, and she went out of her way to make sure that no one around her was or felt left out. Outside of sports and fitness, Amy absolutely loved to sing karaoke, and she would often go to a local karaoke bar with her friends. A great example of her kindness came from a couple she befriended at the karaoke club that had disabilities who told Amy's parents that she always made sure they had a spot saved at her table. She was just really awesome and it came with ease. From the stories I've read and heard from those who loved her, she seems like someone that you would just want to be around. Her outgoing personality spilled over into how she presented herself as well. And she had multiple tattoos that we will discuss more later as they unfortunately became key traits uh, necessary for identifying her. In 1997, shortly after graduating from college, Amy moved into her own apartment in Chesterfield and got a waitressing job at a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Yum. I know. So good. And that's some moolah, too. Yeah. Now that she was back home, she got to spend a lot of time with her parents and her family, and she actually frequently went grocery shopping with her mom just to be around her, which is super sweet. Yeah. Around this time, Amy had been gifted her beloved English bulldog named Bailey, as a graduation present, and she also had a somewhat serious steady boyfriend. As our most recent college grads, Amy was super excited and ready for her future. She either wanted to go to grad school to get her master's in sports psychology, or even open up her very own sports bar. She was also getting ready to start a new job as a full-time marketing assistant at her aunt's computer consulting firm, and she was about to adopt another English bulldog named Daisy. Um, I am relaying all of this to emphasize that Amy had a lot to look forward to and a lot that she was incredibly excited about. And her brother Brad even says that this was one of the happiest times in her entire life and the happiest that he had personally ever seen her. Now, we're going to fast forward to March of 1998. Amy's father had won a yearly sales contest from the insurance company that he worked for, and his prize was a week-long all-expenses-paid cruise through the Caribbean with his wife. Caribbean, Caribbean, it's Caribbean, <laughs> Caribbean, I guess, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Caribbean sounds better. Her parents were ecstatic, as anyone would be, I mean, we just wanted yeah. all expenses paid cruise, hell yeah, and that's awesome for him, he won a sales contest, and they wanted their kids to join them, so they decided to buy them plane tickets and pay for their cruise. It was going to be an amazing family vacation with lots to celebrate. Okay, that makes me really sad, so I, know. I really honestly don't. I don't know. Really sad. <laughs> but well, speaking of families, I think now is the perfect time to tell you guys about our sponsor for this episode, Anna Luisa Jewelry. Um, Anna Luisa Jewelry is an amazing company that I have grown to love. They strive to make luxury jewelry affordable for everyone. They work with trusted partners to ensure that everything they sell is priced fairly and produced ethically. They use recycled materials whenever possible and are 100% carbon and water neutral. And if you use our link, shop.analuisa.com slash monsters and mixers you can get buy one get one 40 off just in time for mother's day which is right around the corner people yeah so you can get your mom something get yourself something get your mom two somethings <laughs> get yourself two somethings easter is next week you might want to fill some easter baskets with some earrings you never Necklaces, know bracelets they really have they have it all mm-hmm. yeah they have something for literally everyone whether it be the maternal figure in your life, doesn't have to be your mom. It could be anybody that you think is important enough to be wished a happy Mother's Day, or your special someone, your spouse, or just yourself. I see myself buying my myself way more jewelry than Me what we've too. already gotten. They have so many awesome pieces to pick from, and they are incredibly affordable. Probably the most affordable jewelry site that I have seen in a very long time. They start at just $39, which is if you're, especially if you're getting to buy one, get one 40% off. That's two really nice pieces of jewelry Mm -hmm. for super cheap. That are going to last you. They do not tarnish. They have not tarnished yet. I wear my uh, stack necklaces that we talked about in the last episode all day, every day. I have showered in them. They have held up their quality. The chains don't feel any weaker or anything. My neck's not green. Yeah. Color looks the same. Um, so once again, our link is shop.analuisa.com slash monsters and mixers for buy one, get one 40% off. That is 
shop.analuisa.com slash m-o-n-s-t-e-r-s-a-n-d-m-i-x-e-r-s for buy one, get one 40% off. Do you want to talk a little bit about the pieces you received from them? I do because I, okay, so I have my ears double pierced, but I always struggle to find earrings that I can wear in my top holes because they were an at-home piercing and I don't think they ever truly healed properly. Girl parent trap, summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> so I am always reluctant to buy or put earrings in those. They have these really cute ear climber ones that I got. And they have like little sparkly um, cubic zirconia and they go up my ears. I think there's like six stones on them. And the great thing about them is because they're um, the ear climber, there's zero weight mm -hmm. at all. And I have worn them to bed. I wore them like three days in a row and my ears did not hurt one single time, which I thought was really super cool. Yeah. I love when you can find like a piece or a pair of earrings that you can sleep in because yeah. some you just cannot. And when they're comfortable to sleep in, that's And favorite. I match them with my ear huggers, the ones that we talked about last time, the Celeste with the star and the moon. And they look so freaking cute together. Yeah, that they do look really I cute. I actually am thinking about getting my ears pierced again so I can put another, I found <laughs> some other ones that would look really cute with them. So I might be going back for some more holes in my head. Heck yeah, we can use our link get ourselves a little deal so once again if you are in need of a last minute gift or if you just want to treat yourself you can use our link uh shop.analuisa.com slash monsters and mixers for buy one get one 40 percent off sounds awesome all right so we're going to get back into amy so uh they were going to be traveling on the royal caribbean ship named rhapsody of the seas which is an absolutely massive ship which scares me even more. Yeah. It is literally like a city on the water. It is huge. It was actually a new cruise ship that could hold 765 crew members and 2,425 guests. It sat at 75,000 tons and 11 stories high. What it was crap. massive. I would not like that. Literally a city on the sea. Huge. It was going to depart from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and stop in Aruba before heading to Curacao, which is a Dutch Caribbean island under the Kingdom of Netherlands. It's Krakow. No, it's Curacao. Is it? Are you sure? Yes. I'm okay. Positive. Krakow? I think it's Krakow. No. But that's okay. Peanut Gallery. It's Curacao, correct? Thank oh, you. I stand corrected. <sighs> you worked in a bar. We don't do Curacao. <laughs> <laughs> Their departure was planned for March 21st, 1998, and they were set to return on March 28th. So it was to be a full week of fun and amazing views with family. They were going to get to see some new places, be out in the sun. Um, her family actually recalls Amy being a little unsure and nervous about the cruise for some reason. Um, she said that something just felt a little off to her. She had never been on a cruise before. Um, going to be her first one ever she just felt she was just nervous and they said that it was quite surprising to them because amy is a former lifeguard um she's very familiar with the water she's been in the water her entire life she has very strong swimming skills and she was just like a naturally adventurous person she wasn't typically um nervous or scared of things like that um but swimming skills aside the ocean made amy very nervous so uh, big which i can 100 percent relate yeah. to um i've always been a very strong swimmer and I love to swim, but big bodies of water, such as oceans, lakes, rivers, they just freak me out. And they make me irrationally nervous. Anything I can't see the bottom of or the things swimming around me always freaks me out. I don't like when things touch yeah. me and I don't You know do better is. than me, though, because I wear a life jacket the entire time. <laughs> um, when we went on a float trip a few years ago, it was I was ridiculous. probably like 20 years old. And I refused to get in the water, which is not like me at all no, it just i just something about it just not right i did not like it so i got third degree burns on my back instead because i never dipped off you did get lots of sunscreen <laughs> yes yeah um that being said i don't think that i would ever go on a cruise i just something about it also just rubs me the wrong way um i've never been interested in one and would prefer to enjoy my time alone so, uh, thankfully, the closer that they got to their departure date, the more excited Amy became at the idea of her upcoming cruise. She got her nails done, she dyed her dark black hair brown, and she got a nice uh, tan and some tanning beds for preparation. So, she was getting ready. The night before they left, Amy had dinner with her Aunt Mary and her mom, where she showed off her new cruise-ready look. The next day, March 21st, Amy and Brad departed from R Richmond International Airport, and headed to San Juan with a connecting flight in Miami. 
They arrived in San Juan and met up with their parents at the airport, who had already been there for a little bit as they had left an hour early. Amy bought and wrote postcards for her friends and 15 rolls of film before they were set to depart for the cruise ship. One of the postcards read, Hey girl, it's gorgeous here. We leave for Aruba tomorrow. Take care. I'll be home Saturday at 10. See ya, Amy. Amy told Brad that she was already having the time of her life when they arrived at the dock. I, that being me saying that I don't want to be or go on a cruise, I can understand that I'm sure the moments before boarding a, boarding a cruise ship are super exciting. I yeah. mean, you're in San Juan, Puerto Rico. It's sunny. You're with your family. Like, you're about to board this massive ship. You know you're about to have fun and just chill for a week. I'm yeah. sure it was super exciting. You're at a tropical location. She's already buying goodies to prepare for her trip. It's just the pre- vacation butterflies that everybody gets yeah it i mean and i can see why they would thought it was weird because she seems like such a social butterfly yeah. and so outgoing and like somebody who would just really be into that but you never know how you're gonna react to new situations right. yeah eventually amy and her family were on the ship heading towards their first stop aruba after the ship set sail the bradley family ate dinner together and drank some cocktails by the pool Although Amy was excited, she still avoided the edges of the boat the entire first day. Brad even invited her to look over the railing at the vast ocean below them, and Amy told him no. She was afraid of heights. I am also very afraid of heights, <laughs> and 11 stories up, I'm not looking over anything. I would pass out. Yeah. The next day, March 22nd, Amy and Iva attended an art auction as their ship continued its trek to Aruba, and the family had another relaxing day together. The Rhapsody of the Seas finally docked in Aruba on the morning of March 23rd, and the Bradleys were super excited for another great day on their vacation. They were enjoying their time together and having a blast, and they took a group photo together before disembarking from the ship into Aruba. Once in Aruba, they shopped around for a little bit before renting a jeep to further explore the island. They did some sightseeing, ate lunch together, and took a quick trip to the beach before returning to their vessel. Once back on the ship, they changed into some fancy clothes and headed down to dinner. And there's actually a super sweet picture of Amy and Brad together in their dinner attire that I'll add um, to our episode later for all of you guys to see. There was a photographer down there that was just taking pictures yeah. of everybody in their gowns and stuff. Um, after dinner, Amy and Brad went back to their room to change once again and grab some money because they were going to head to the casino. Sounds like fun. Yep. Ivan and Ron decided to stay back to share a few drinks with some of Ron's coworkers and let the kids have their fun together. While doing so, a waiter approached Iva and asked her where Amy was. That's very odd. Iva had previously noticed that this specific waiter had been paying noticeably more attention to Amy than the others throughout the cruise and asked him why he wanted to know where her daughter was, to which he replied that he and some other crew members wanted to take her out to Carlos and Charlie's, which was a bar in Aruba. Ron and Iva both immediately thought that that was a bit odd. That's incredibly odd and probably crosses some boundary lines that I would imagine yeah, the cruise, so. cruise people have established. Um, it goes on to get a little weirder because when Iva went to collect the pictures that the ship's photographer had taken of their family, she immediately noticed that every picture of Amy was gone. And when asked where they were, the photographer told her that he was 100% sure that he had displayed the pictures with the rest that he had taken. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Emma's cat, who never comes down here because she fights with all the other cats, is running around. So we are hoping to avoid any kind of scuffle because they like to fight. All right. Sorry. Yeah, back, no. to the, back to the it's show. It's a very rare moment. Sorry. She's also like screaming. Tell her little baby lungs. Yeah. I'm climbing on the cat tower. We have such progress happening right now. So um, I don't think the suspiciousness falls on the photographer. Mm -hmm. I don't think he knew that pictures were being taken, but um, I'm going to assume that whoever was kind of like watching her and wanted to take her out to an Aruban club probably nabbed pictures of her, which is super fucking weird. Okay, I, I'm not familiar with this story, but I kind of feel like it indicates maybe they were going to try and sell her to someone and they needed pictures to show them and see if they were interested. I mean, that's the vibe I'm getting. And when I said that earlier about like the people being stolen off ships and sex traffic that's exactly what yeah. sounds like it's going to happen well i mean yeah you get um american women in foreign countries who probably go for a lot of money mm -hmm. to foreign people yeah um that is definitely one of the theories in this situation um so this would make me extremely uncomfortable yeah. i almost think that i wouldn't really want to go eat down there anymore no and what's 
scariest about this whole thing is where do you go? It's not like if you're <coughs> right. at, at a restaurant on land and somebody's acting creepy, you can just go home. Yeah. You're stuck. Right. Like, for days. And not only that, but like to feel uncomfortable. It's one thing to feel uncomfortable with like someone, another passenger on the ship. But like yeah. if members of the crew are being weird, then you kind of like feel outnumbered and there's almost like you can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's just a horrible situation. And this was a long time ago, back before I think people were as diligent about background checks and yeah. things like that. And with 750 crew members, there's a very good chance that a crew mm-hmm. got hired on. Yeah, it's just incredibly inappropriate behavior from anyone who is supposed to getting paid and working to make the cruise fun and safe and enjoyable for everyone. It is just very inappropriate, regardless of what intentions were. After their little trip to the casino, Amy and Brad met back up with their parents on the pool deck where Iva went on to relay the waiter's message. Amy looked at her mother and simply replied, They're creepy and I'm not going anywhere with them. This, to me, implies that Amy has already either, one, had an interaction with them that led her to this conclusion, or two, picked up on their excessive attention towards her. Clearly, she was picking up some vibes that were being picked out. Yeah. And which, I mean, you know how it is when you're in a bar or anywhere. Yeah. You can always tell when somebody has intentions and and when you're uncomfortable with that. 100%. I feel like women also are super uh, heightened senses, Mm -hmm. especially in... Uh, places that they're not comfortable in or have never been before. Yeah. We pick up on some things because we have to. Um, All of that aside, they danced and drank together on the pool deck to the ship's band and had a good night with one another. Brad took part in a limbo competition and actually won first place, which is awesome. Go Brad. On the contrary, uh, Brad was dancing with a woman on the pool deck when her husband came out of nowhere, grabbed him, and told him to back off. Brad immediately apologized, stating that he had no idea that she was married. So tensions are a little... Heightened, heightened yeah. on this on this cruise so far. Brad, you scoundrel. <laughs> Throughout the night, Amy talked with members of Blue Orchid, which was the ship's band, and was mostly seen talking with the band's bass player. There's actually pictures of them, Alistair Douglas. Um, Alistair is described as a heavyset man from a Caribbean city, Granada, who went by the nickname Yellow. According to Iva, Amy had told Brad that the quote the band's bassist was hitting on her, and that he was a quote real jerk. Hmm? Ivy notes that she had had a bad feeling about Alistair from the start. Something was just off to her. And shortly after, um, Ron and Iva decided it was time for them to head back to bed or head to bed. So they kissed their kids goodnight and returned to to their room, left them down on the pool deck to keep having their fun. Um, Amy and Brad wanted to keep the party going, as most 20-something-year-olds do. And they wanted to stay out later than their uh, longer than their parents. So they made their way to the Viking Lounge, which was the ship's onboard dance club. Um, I've seen videos of it. It looked pretty freaking awesome. Definitely in, like, yeah. 98, too. There's, like, videos, like, very retro vibes going on. A lot of unsin. Yeah. Unsin. Dark and strobe lights. Looks pretty cool. Um, the ship actually had a videographer on board uh, making promotional videos, and he happened to be filming the dance club dance floor that night. He captured multiple videos where Amy is seen dancing with Alistair throughout the night. Yellow claims that he and Amy went their separate ways for the night around 1 a.m., He says he went to the staff elevator and lost track of her after that. Around 2.45 a.m., Ron woke up to find that his kids hadn't returned to their room yet, so he went down to the dance club to look for them. He found Brad dancing with a group of young women on the first floor and saw Amy on the second floor talking to the club's DJ and some other band members. Uh, This eased his mind as he can now place both of his kids, so he returned back to the room and went back to sleep for the night as he felt like they would be coming back sometime soon. And we are going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be back. At 3.45 a.m., the ship's electronic lock system logged Brad entering the room. So I'm going to assume that they each had keys with their names on them, mm-hmm. which would tell who was entering at what time. And five minutes later, Amy. The two of them sat on their balcony, talking and smoking. The ship was headed to Curacao that day, and Amy told Brad that she planned on buying some more cigarettes there when they docked. Ron woke up to the two of them chatting and asked Amy if she could turn off the bathroom light, and Brad decided that it was time for him to go to sleep. To which Amy replied that she needed to get some fresh air and stay on the balcony for a while, longer because she was feeling a little bit motion sick. At 5.30 a.m., 
Ron woke up again and saw Amy's legs in the lounge chair on their balcony, confirming that she was indeed still in the room at this time, and Ron assumed that she had just fallen asleep out there, so he went back to bed. Um, around this time as well, their ship was beginning to dock in Curacao. Ron awoke another time at 6 a.m., and this time he saw that Amy was no longer on the balcony. So it's just 30 minutes later. Right. Ron does not sleep. No. The sliding glass door was halfway open, and the balcony was empty. The shirt that she had been wearing all night was on a chair inside of the room, but her lighter and her cigarettes were missing. Ron also noted that it seemed as if Amy had changed out of her shorts and into a pair of jeans, but all of the shoes that she had brought on the trip were still in the room, which meant that wherever she had gone, she had gone barefoot. Her family stated that Amy never left without telling anyone where she was planning on heading to, or at least leaving a note to indicate where she was going. So Ron was immediately worried. His first inclination was that she was either up taking some pictures or relaxing on the pool deck, so he headed that way to check, but he couldn't find her anywhere. Later on, two college kids would report seeing Amy in yellow riding up to the dance club in the ship's glass elevator around 6 a.m. that morning, and that they later saw him leave the club without her about 15 minutes later. Another witness at the club reported seeing Alistair buy Amy a, quote, dark-colored drink sometime around 6 a.m. as well. Um, some people speculate that this could have been coffee. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, the club was selling coffee at 6 in the morning. <laughs> so she didn't sleep at all? She was just up the whole she night She was just long? up, yeah. Well, which, which, if she was anxious, it could explain. Right. Like, having trouble sleeping, those kinds of things. Um, Ron searched the other parts of the ship, only to find that there was absolutely no sign of Amy anywhere. He returned to the room around 7 a.m. to tell Iva that he couldn't find her and that she was seemingly missing. So they both went to the ship's office to report Amy as missing and tell them that they suspected that foul play was involved, which... It's kind of a quick... Well, I mean, they've had all those weird encounters yeah. and people saying things in the pictures. So and I'm if sure... it's, like, unlike her to do any of that, then it's kind of safe to assume that yeah. something weird is going on. Not necessarily that she's dead or missing, but they something bad happened to right. her is what they're assuming. Uh, nothing was done immediately. So they returned to the office to beg them to start a search for Amy. They asked them to play an announcement over the loudspeaker. The staff initially refused to do so, claiming that it was too early and an announcement would disturb the other guests on the ship. After begging and pleading, at 7.58 a.m., a staff member finally used the loudspeaker to issue an announcement that requested that Amy Bradley return to the administrative desk. As they had just docked at their second location, the ship was preparing to lower and allow guests to depart into Curacao, to which Ron and Iva begged them not to do. If someone had kidnapped or hurt Amy, this would be the perfect chance for them to escape or sneak her off the boat into a foreign country before the boat was actually fully searched, yeah. which is very rational yeah, to ask them sense. not to do. If you're at like the mall and a kid goes missing, they lock, it they lock the doors mm -hmm. because... The first thing someone's going to do if they steal some, kidnap someone is try to leave. Um, the crew refused to do that as well. Once again, uh, profit over people. Right. When they didn't want to make all the other guests mad, I'm sure it was their excuse. Yeah. And to make things worse, uh, at this time, the Royal Caribbean kept no record of who left the ship and only logged who boarded. So they're not keeping track of who gets off. They're keeping track of who gets back on. So, so someone could get know. off yeah. that you wouldn't even know got off and, and never, never get, get back. back on. Yeah, that's stupid. You should keep track of both. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Thank God to this day, they keep track of both. Well, yeah, because how do you know you that you don't accidentally people. leave somebody yeah, in a foreign country? In a foreign with, country. With no way to get back home. That seems like a really Very stupid dangerous. practice. Yeah. This detail alone could have been the main reason why Amy still has not been found to this day. Someone who hurt her or had her could have gotten off. No one would have known because they never got back on. Mm -hmm. The crew finally began a search for Amy at 12.15 p.m. So this is hours, hours, hours later, later that ended at just 1 p.m. So 45 minutes to search an 11-story ship containing 4,000 people. Yeah, 750,000-ton ship. Yeah. Uh... This search, of course, resulted in nothing. They only searched common areas and crew areas and didn't search any passenger rooms or other areas of the boat. Um, newsflash, if some shit like that is going on and someone actually has kidnapped her, why the hell would they put her in a crew area? Right. Like, come on. 
They're gonna have her in their personal rooms. Hey! Too many text messages going on in a group chat. <laughs> God. It's annoying people not going Yeah. So, like I said, you'd think that when you have a missing person on your ship, that would be the first place you check. Individual rooms. Because if she was taken by someone, that's where she would most likely be kept. Did, did they check Yellow's room? No. They didn't check anyone's room. I mean, because there were people- They checked, like, the pool deck and, like, the dining area and the crew lounge. Did they check the club where she yes. was seen? And That's about it. So, after this search, they returned to the Bradleys and told them that they, quote, searched the entire ship thoroughly and couldn't locate her. The delay that was put on the search and investigation of Amy's disappearance is absurd. It took them five hours to even start looking for her, and they only looked for 45 minutes, all while allowing passengers to disembark. There was a blatant lack of urgency from the staff from the beginning and almost no communication whatsoever between them. I must be just wonder if it was a bigger conspiracy like no than just this is cruise ships are known for this which is just horrible brad went to the pool deck to stand there for a while and watch to see if amy walked by at all um while there brad claims that yellow came up to him and apologized about what had happened to his sister and said that he felt guilty brad found this to be incredibly suspicious because at this point Yellow shouldn't have had any idea about what was even going on with Amy. Right, unless someone told him. The fact that he seemed to already know that Amy was missing raised immediate red flags because they had not made an announcement that, a missing persons announcement, no one should have known anything that was going on. Iva and Ron asked the crew to make an announcement that she was missing and also asked the captain to ask the staff to pass out flyers with Amy's picture to all the passengers. The captain refused to do so and said that he didn't want to upset the guests. (laughs) At this point, it was obvious that it was all about keeping the guests happy and making money, as opposed to finding Amy safe and returning her to her family. I can't imagine how scary this would be to not only be in the middle of the ocean, in a foreign country, when your daughter vanishes, but to also be dealing with people who don't give a shit whatsoever that it happened. It would be so frustrating and scary. So scary. You're left to your own devices at that point, and what can three foreigners really do by themselves when it comes to not only searching an entire ship of that size, but at this point, searching an entire island for her? Yeah. The captain actually told her family that he firmly believed that Amy had to be somewhere in Curacao, and told them that they should just disembark the ship and search themselves. At 5.30 p.m., they decided to do just that and got off the ship to look for her. They were joined by the president of Ron's company, and he actually paid for a hotel room for them in Carousel. Just an hour later, the ship departed from Carousel to St. Martin, without them, as they stayed on land to continue to look for their daughter. They were incredibly distraught, and it said that Ron was actually so bothered and upset that he was throwing up blood. No. I just can't even imagine. No. So no, not one of them was even on the ship to see if she was there? No. So they're just done with the cruise at this point? They got off at this point. They Yes. Okay. At 6 a.m. on March 25th, the Carousel authorities began a multiple-day air and sea search for Amy, as at this point, she had been missing for 24 hours. They used helicopters, cargo ships, fishing boats to look for her as the Bradleys contacted the FBI and flew to St. Martin to reboard the boat and demand that the captain speak to them. One really scary thing about cruise ships of this nature is that they're considered to be on international waters. So in the event that something like this occurs, it makes it a lot more difficult to get law enforcement involved because there really is no jurisdiction whatsoever. And the Bradleys actually had to ask the Royal Caribbean for permission to allow the FBI on board. They agreed to let two FBI agents on who boarded with search dogs and immediately began interviewing the Bradleys. Thankfully, the FBI was able to get staff members to pass out flyers to guests with pictures of Amy and alert everyone that she was indeed missing. And she had been for over 24 hours at this point. I think that even as a passenger on this ship, I'd be very pissed off that this information was given to me so late because God forbid if this was some kind of like mass murderer or a mass sex trafficking operation Mm -hmm. and you're left completely in the dark about what was going on around you for almost two days roaming free with your children. Right. That would be... I would be so mad Mm -hmm. to not know that that was going on around me. Well, yeah, because you can't protect yourself or be hyper vigilant if you have no idea what's going right. on. Right. You have no idea. And you have no idea that the crew is like potentially involved. On March 27th, the Bradleys left the ship in St. Thomas and the next day the ship returned to its departure point of San Juan. 
The Bradleys flew back to Richmond, and on March 29th, the authorities in Carousel ended their search for Amy and reported that they found absolutely no signs of her whatsoever, leaving her family with no answers once again. A month later, the Bradleys posted their own personal plea for her safe return on their website in an attempt to do a call to action. It stated, The family of Amy Lynn Bradley, who has been missing since March 24, 1998, from the cruise ship Rapsy of the Seas, as it arrived in the port of Carousel, would like to make the following plea. Please let Amy go, blindfold her, and leave her somewhere safe at night unharmed. She doesn't know who you are and only wants to be with her family in her country. We will ask no questions. You will remain unknown. Please let Amy go. So, so at this point, it's just pure desperation. Well, yeah. Initially, authorities suspected that Amy had either fallen overboard or committed suicide. However, this was immediately discredited as Amy was known to be not only an incredibly strong swimmer, but her body was never found in the waters. And Amy wasn't suicidal whatsoever. As stated earlier, Amy had a current lust for life and was looking forward to a lot of things that were soon coming up for her. Nothing about her would indicate that she wanted to end her life, and her fam family absolutely did not agree with either of those theories. I would not have either, but it doesn't make any sense. No. And also, like, falling overboard, I mean, her dad saw her at 5.30 in the morning, woke up at 6 in the morning to her stuff missing and her clothes changed. And she was terrified of going to the edge to of the, the railing. Edge. Like, so... she would have never done that. No. But she was, like, pushed, which mm -hmm. that would be the only possible and, thing. But that would have meant that. Oh, so when you say she was on the balcony, was it their room balcony? It was their room balcony. Okay, so like the someone one attached else would have had to, to be room. in there. Right. There was no one else in their room with them. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Um, some possible sightings of Amy have occurred, actually quite a decent amount. On the morning of her disappearance, two people aboard the ship told Ron that they saw a woman matching her description taking the elevator to the ship's deck with cigarettes and a lighter in hand. Unfortunately, this witness led to witness sighting led to no findings. A cab driver in Carousel also stated that a woman matching Amy's description approached him and said that she urgently needed to use a phone. This sighting was also never confirmed by authorities. In August of 1998, a Canadian computer engineer named David Carmichael said that he saw Amy walking down with two men on a beach in Carousel. This was five months after her disappearance was made public. When he spoke in a loud English voice to a friend who was a few feet away, he said the woman suddenly turned around and began to walk in his direction. Just as she was about to speak to him, one of the two men distinctly signaled to her to walk away. Uh, the witness made note that the woman seemed to be constantly trying to get his attention until he eventually lost sight of her at a nearby cafe. Carmichael said that she continued to stare at him whenever she could get his attention, and at this time he had no idea who Amy was, until he eventually saw her profiled on a TV show called Unsolved Mysteries. Why would he not have intervened even if he didn't know them? That I makes, don't know. I mean, just stand up, go over it, you can tell something's wrong. Yeah. He claimed that the woman's tattoos were reportedly identical to Amy's, and that he was, quote, two feet away from her, which made him sure that it was her with complete certainty. Um, Amy has a tattoo of a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her shoulder, the sun on her lower back, a Chinese symbol on her right ankle and a gecko around her belly button. And she also has her belly button pierced. So these are all very specific tattoos, yeah. very identifiable tattoos that would be hard to be replicated on just any other random woman. And he was able to describe every single one of them to her family. And this was five months later. So, I mean, five months later, she's alive. Yeah. I mean, conceivably. So in January of 1999, a U.S. Navy petty officer claimed to have seen a woman who claimed to be Amy Bradley at a brothel in Curacao. He said that she told him that her name was Amy Bradley and she begged him for help. And she explained that she was being held against her will, not allowed to leave. He didn't report the incident earlier as he feared that his naval career would be jeopardized as he was in a brothel. And he, was, he only contacted Amy's family after he retired and saw her picture in a magazine. Jesus, what is wrong with people? There was no evidence to support the witness's claim, and given the fact that so many years had passed since his alleged sighting, little could little there was little anyone could do about it. Um, this pisses me off a lot. Yeah, I understand that he was afraid, but in the event that someone tells you that they're being held against their will, and they're a missing person who is literally on the FBI's missing persons list, I fucking mean, say something to someone. You didn't even have to identify yourself. Right, anonymous tip. There's a tip line, like a 1-800 tip line. Like, I know that he didn't want to lose his job, and I don't want to place guilt single, no, solely on this man, 
but in the event that that really was Amy, he could have potentially saved her life and returned her to her family. If you see something, say something. Right. Not only see something, she straight up told him. And that would have made no sense otherwise for her, for a random person to do that. And if this actually was her, imagine how frustrating it has to be to think this is your out. Mm -hmm. Like, this man speaks English. He clearly looks like he is kind of military of some sort. This is my way to escape. And nothing is done. This whole story makes me want to cry and pound my fist in rage. And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I know the Navy is like pretty strict, but I don't think they're going to fire you for going to a brothel. You might get demoted a little bit. Yeah, I don't think you'd be fired. I don't think you're going to lose your job. <clears throat> you don't no. even get fired for getting a freaking DUI in the Navy. Like, what? No, it does not make sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. It makes absolutely no sense and it upsets me a lot. And honestly, at that point, why even tell her family? Yeah. Hey, years ago. Many years ago. I saw your daughter and I did nothing. Did absolutely nothing. By the way, she's forced into prostitution. Yeah, she's a sex slave at a brothel in Carousel. And probably still living there to this day. So that year, that pisses you off. This is going to really upset you. That year, the family received another promising clue, which unfortunately turned out to be a horribly devastating scam. A man named Frank Jones claimed to be a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer who could rescue Amy from armed Colombians holding her in Carousel. He claimed that he had an eyewitness to Amy's location, who was a cook who accurately described Amy's tattoos and even a lullaby that she heard Amy sing, which was actually a lullaby that her mom sang to her when she was younger. Two other former Navy SEALs were sent to Curacao to specifically determine Amy's location. When Frank demanded more money to underwrite the actual armed rescue, her family asked for concrete proof that their daughter was actually under his team's surveillance. He responded with a picture of a similarly tattooed woman who resembled Amy, and they paid him the rest of the money. The Bradleys gave him $200,000 before they realized that he was a fraud and that this was a massive scam. Oh my god, that's some... People suck. Ron Bradley said afterward, quote, If there's a chance, I mean, what else do you do? If it was your child, what would you do? So I guess we took the chance, and I guess we lost. Oh, that's so sad. I mean, I would do the same thing. I don't know where I came up with $200,000. Right. But I would do exhaust every option I had. Yeah. Another potential sighting happened in 2005 when a witness named Judy, I think it's Maurer, Maurer claimed to see Amy in a department store restroom in Barbados. She said a woman entered the bathroom accompanied by three men who proceeded to threaten her if she didn't follow through on a deal. She said that after the men left, she approached the distraught woman, thank God, shout out Judy, because she's the only one who has, who said that uh, her first name was Amy and that she was from Virginia before the men came back inside her and took her away. Judy called authorities and they created composite sketches of three men and the woman based on her account, but nothing came of it. So remember the conversation uh, had between Iva and the waiter who said they, quote, wanted to take her to Carlos and Charlie's restaurant in Aruba? Yeah. Uh, this gets even creepier given that Carlos and Charlie's happens to be the last place that 18-year-old Natalie Holloway was seen before she disappeared in Aruba in 2005. I actually was thinking about Natalie Holloway earlier when you said Aruba because yeah. that was such a huge, huge... It was the huge last case. place that she was seen. So Carlos and Charlie's some kind of a front for people getting kidnapped and taken to be like some sort of hub maybe where they take people. <clears throat> and, Although she wasn't in Aruba though. She got taken in... No, but I mean, I'm wondering if they wanted to get her there sooner. Yeah. Yeah. In 2005, the Bradleys received an email containing a picture of a woman who appeared to be Amy lying on a bed in her underwear. A member of an organization that locates sex trafficking victims on adult websites noticed the photo and believed that it could be Amy. The woman in the picture was identified as Jazz, a sex worker in the Caribbean. Unfortunately, this didn't generate any new leads and only led to further distress on the family. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull up the pictures here and show you. Because I want to see if you think that it looks like her. I don't really... Do you have a picture of what she I'll looks like? I'll show you like? what okay. she looks like. Because I don't really know. So this is what she looked like. Aw. And she yeah. got the picture that they took at the dinner. We'll post these too so you guys can look yeah. at them while you're listening. Cause and then this is the picture you that can't was see what I sent see. to them. Even though that'd be hella cool if I could do that. Um, face is very much the same, yeah. I hair is different, but I hair mean, hair is different, but it's been a long passed. time, and 
I would imagine that she probably was made to grow her hair out because her hair was very short previously and probably... I don't know if I see I mean she's wearing a lot of makeup in those other two pictures and none at all in the other ones but I don't know if I see many similarities facially um yeah the nose and eyes are pretty close to the same I don't know though I mean it looks... and of course no pictures or, or tattoos are visible it looks it I mean I would definitely look at it what did her family think um her f mother was very upset by the picture because i mean who would want to see their kid like that if yeah. that is her kid they thought that it could be her i mean at that point 2005 seven years have passed so she who knows what she looked like at that point and she's living in a tropical land right some dingy under the area and this is the um composite sketch that was made after she spotted that woman spotted her in a department store yeah that looks like her I mean, she's thinner, but that is to be expected also because she's not able, I'm sure, to work out and maintain her physicality like she did before. Yeah, because... which also, I mean, the composite sketch, that woman's hair is a lot like the hair in the email that they received. That would be, it would just be frustrating <clears throat> to constantly be getting all of these tips and clues and have all of them to end up being dead ends. Yeah. Time after time after time and how upsetting because I'm, I mean, it's 20, 30 years later almost and her parents have to be getting up there in age and oh yeah i mean she'd be 100 percent. she'd be pretty close to my age i think yeah i mean she's i think dad's age 74 he's not 74 he was born no, in 74 she was born in 74 i'm just so. clarifying yeah people who don't know. <laughs> i am not married to a 74 year old <laughs> no but yeah which is just wow it's, it's all horrible that is really horrible so, in uh, late 2010, as a result of environmental wreckage caused by Hurricane Tomas, a human jawbone washed up on a beach in Aruba. It was quickly determined to have no connection to Natalie Holliday because at this time, the Natalie Holloway case had absolutely taken the world by storm mm -hmm. and kind of pushed a lot of others yeah. under to the back burner. Um, once local authorities knew that it wasn't connected to her case, they seized any further testing despite the fact that Amy Bradley and up to as many as nine other Caribbean vacationers were said to have disappeared in the 15 years prior to the Holloway case. Jesus. Dental records ruled out Holloway and no DNA testing was ever done on the material. However, the tests that were performed did determine that the jawbone was from a Caucasian person. Which would indicate they were not probably native to that area. Right. Yeah. The last suspected sighting of Amy Bradley took place in 2005. To help generate interest and keep her story alive and in the public, a $250,000 reward is currently offered on the Bradley family website that is currently archived. So I think, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, I mean, the website's archived, so they're not updating anything. There are forums, like websites for her, but they're not ran by her family. Probably because there hasn't been anything new to put on there for right. so long. Yeah, it'd be so exhausting to, yeah. for this point, doing that for 23, 24 years. Like, just horrible. Um, the FBI is also still offering a $25,000 reward for information leading to her recovery or information about those responsible for her disappearance. In March 2017, the FBI released a public service video detailing the facts surrounding her case, along with an appeal for info con concerning her current whereabouts. So... This is definitely still on their radar even 20 years later, which is awesome. Yeah. As far as Alistair Douglas goes, the police cleared him after a polygraph, but before the FBI got a hold of the dance club video. So they could have asked him questions pertaining to that night and specific things. They didn't even know that she was with her. He was with her that late. So they and never questioned. So they again. asked him bogus questions that he could easily right. have asked because... So the FBI asks that if you have any information concerning the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley, that you should please contact your local FBI office or submit an anonymous tip online at FBI.gov. I mean, do you think at this point anything will ever come out of it? It's been so long. I don't know. I hope so, because I would really hate to be her family and never have any idea what happened to her. Yeah. And it's so sad to me that they are one of so many people who have something like this happen and they never get closure. Yeah. And I don't know if it'd be worse to never know, or even if she were like, like if that was her jawbone, would that offer some kind of 
relief to know that at least know that she's not out there suffering somewhere. Well, I mean, it would also like help them stop looking Mm -hmm. like holding out hope that she's going to come back. Yeah. So I don't know if it'd be better for it to not be her jawbone and know that she's still possibly out there somewhere lost or for it to be her jawbone and they have closure in that aspect. Like, I don't know what would be better. I don't, I don't know. I think they both would carry an equal degree of pain. So I really don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know either. (sighs) You and your sad stories. Hold on. I'm trying to go into some theories um, here. So there are some theories that, I mean, as with any case, circulate the internet, they're everywhere. Um, they went on Dr. Phil a couple years ago, like probably like 10 years ago. So, I mean, that brought Dr. Fillers out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, one of the theories is that she was kidnapped and sold into the illegal human trafficking industry in the Caribbean, which is apparently vast and expansive. And that's a hub for travel and tourism. Mm -hmm. So, just like Disney World in our country. Well, and like we heard the story of the naval guy going there. I'm sure lots of military people right. who are out on deployment and lonely. And up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, this theory is supported by, by various sources of evidence, including a key witness from the U.S. Navy officer um, at the brothel and that picture that was sent to them. Um, another piece of evidence would include the inconsistencies of the witnesses on the night of the disappearance. Um, in People's Magazine, Amy's mother stated, I remember watching people watch her admiringly. And she later goes on to say that Amy would have been a trophy. Yeah. This theory also includes suspicions of the staff and the band members on the cruise on the night of the disappearance. Um, one of these suspicions include the inconsistent story that uh, the band member Yellow presented, as opposed to what CCTV had captured. Many people also suspected that a waiter was involved uh, with the disappearance the waiter that approached her family and said some weird shit. Um, and in addition, the professional pictures that had all that had been taken, uh, that were disappearing. disappeared. Yeah. They could have been taken by anyone. I still think, I mean, it makes sense that those pictures, they probably sent them to somebody and said, Hey, will she work? You know, will you take her? Right. Is this good? Or how much money I can get? Can I get for this mm-hmm. person? Kind of, I know it's not similar, and this is a fictitious story, but um, not that one we're talking about, but kind of like in the hostel, yeah, where they take the passports and they send them to people and see if they want are interested in them before they actually do it. Yeah. So um, another theory was that authorities suspected that it was foul play where Amy was murdered on the ship and thrown overboard. However, the only evidence supporting this theory is the discovery of a jawbone that hasn't even been, been yeah. related to her. And the final theory is that Amy committed suicide, as initially suggested by the authorities, which makes no sense. And Amy was actually declared legally dead on the 24th of March, 2010. Really? Because it had been so long? 12 years after her disappearance. Uh, That being said, the FBI still has a page for her and still considered a cold case, and she's still considered a missing person in their terms. And and the whole suicide thing doesn't make sense either, because... If you're going to kill yourself, are you going to take the time to change your clothes? Also, are you going to do your it in cigarettes? She loved her family so and, much. Yeah. Why would she wait until she's on her dad's, like, prized right. cruise trip that he won? And, I mean, I know people sometimes snap, but she, like, had, there's no, I mean. Unless something horrible happened to her and she couldn't deal with it. I mean, that would be the only thing that would make sense, like, maybe one of the crew member assaulted her and she was upset. And that would be one thing that could possibly have happened. I guess, but, but the Curacao authorities so thoroughly searched that water. Like they had like the, what do they call it? The things that like go under and like look for like different temperatures, like the sonar? radars, the sonar stuff. They had, like sonar ships yeah. that would have pinged something. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Although with ocean currents, I mean, you never know how far she could have been drifted if she was in the water. There's, I guess, or eaten by an animal. I mean, lots of things could have happened. Oh yeah, I'm playing like theories, I, yeah, yeah. But I, don't I personally think that the sex trafficking makes the most sense. Yeah, and just the amount of sightings that people completely unconnected have had. Yeah. Like the guy, I think the guy on the beach is the strongest one. He straight up said, "I was two feet away from her, and I saw every single one of her tattoos." And if I. I don't, I do not understand the bystander 
what is that thing? The bystander effect. Yeah, where you just sit by if you know something is going on because you're afraid for yourself or whatever. I mean, I I understand self-preservation. But the amount of people that had a chance to help, like I think maybe being in a foreign country and like being an American might be a little like I guarantee intimidating. But if I'm in a lady's bathroom and three men come in and drag someone out, yeah, I'm gonna throw a freaking fit. Yeah, I'm going to make a scene. I'm going to get cops there immediately. If I'm in a woman's bathroom and three men escort a woman into the bathroom right. that's gonna immediately be like what the fuck are you why are you in here yeah what is going and on she looks distressed and they're t- talking about some deal she has to make yeah i would be and thank god she whoever. actually immediately went to the police but she probably should have alerted people who were working at that to store keep them from being able to leave with or her. keep yeah eyes on what they're driving or where they are lots of things could have happened yeah i just feel like they're mm-hmm. in the event that she actually was taken and these sightings are credible she has been failed by so many people yeah it's just so sad it is really sad and i'm very sorry to the bradley family i hope that you get some kind of answers someday soon very soon mm-hmm. <sighs> goodness <I'm> depressed now <laughs> sorry it's okay if you haven't realized your crime's not very happy it is not <laughs> no but i mean it's necessary to tell the stories of people yeah. Maybe we should do an Allie Holloway episode. Dude, I could do five episodes on cruise ship disappearances alone. If you'd like to hear more cruise ship disappearances, let us know. Send there us a message. There's so many. I think there's a show <clears throat> now dedicated to like uh, really? true crime cruise stuff. There's so many so, new true crime shows. Surprisingly, a lot of stuff happens on Disney cruises. Like a lot. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all, actually. It's just, it's so, I feel like... If anyone's like opportunistic, that's the time to do it because, like I said, there's no jurisdiction. Yeah, laws are like weird. They know that half the time the cruise isn't going to react promptly. Like if you're someone who's looking to be opportunistic in your crimes, there you go. Yeah, easy time. Reason number five hundred. I'm not taking a cruise. Yeah, just that also came out of people who actually do fall overboard. Mm-hmm. That's just so scary and horrible. Now I'm good on that. All right. I'll go to, <laughs> I don't even know. I'll just go sit by the river. Like, I don't need to go. I am definitely not swimming in the river. <laughs> I'm not, not swimming in the river. I'll just sit by it. Yeah. All right. Well, any additional things other than you want to repeat the, do you have the phone number for the tip line or is it just the FBI? Um, it's on, it's online. Okay. So you can fill out a form if you go to like the FBI.gov. Even if you just look up Amy Lynn Bradley, I believe. Uh, probably the second link, the first or second link is her FBI page. Uh, it's the second one. Her first, the first one is her Wikipedia page. The second one is her FBI link. And if you go to the very bottom, they have age rendered pictures of what she would look like now or what they believe that she would look like now. Um, because at this point she would be 48 years old. Yeah. Um, and they have all of her information. She is five, six. She has green eyes, short brown hair. Uh, at the time of her disappearance, who knows what her hair looks like now. She was 120 pounds. She is a white woman. Um, and they have, like, all of her tattoos listed. And you could submit a tip at the very end. An anonymous tip. FBI.gov. Okay. Yeah, if you know anything, please, like we said, say something. And keep that going for your everyday life. If you can help someone in need, please do so. Yes. However you can. Yes. If you see something that seems weird and it's safe for you to say something, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So, uh, we're going to head on out of here because we actually have to go to Easter, early Easter, in a little bit. So, don't forget to head over to shop.annaluisa.com slash monstersandmixers for your buy one get one 40% off Mother's Day gift. Um, that is shop.annaluisa.com slash monstersandmixers. After you finish listening to this episode... Get your mama her Mother's Day gift with our little code. Listener prize. Buy one, get one 40% off. I'm hoping I get some stuff. <laughs> if not, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> All right. Um, also, don't forget to like and follow us on our socials. Uh, just Google Monsters and Mixers and you can see them all there. We've got Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. We got it all. Yeah, working on doing some TikTok stuff, but we haven't started that yet. Next week, we are going to be bringing you another paranormal story. So I promise I'm going to get you a good drink this time that we can do. 
if you have been listening, you know, we're doing the BYOB on the true crime. So on our paranormal, we will get you something yummy. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll post that episode or the recipe on our social media a couple days beforehand. All right. So see you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Now get out there and meet some ghosts and make some toasts. Thank you.